On this week's episode of Double Take, Lauren and I are joined with Ken Falk, the founder of Boulder Crest and the author of Struggle Well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma. He's a 21-year combat veteran of the U.S. Navy. After a successful business career as CEO at AT Solutions, Ken's passion of taking care of his fellow combat veterans led him to create Boulder Crest, an organization focused on the teachings of post-traumatic growth. We had so much fun getting to know Ken, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Today, Kate and I are so happy to be here with Mr. Ken Falk. Um, Ken, do you just want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, my name is Ken Falk, and I'm the chairman of the board at Boulder Crest uh, Foundation here in Bluemont, Virginia. And so obviously, you've been very successful throughout your career, and we just want to take it back to your childhood. How do you think your childhood has affected your success throughout your life? Well, I had a great childhood, and thanks for that question, because we do think that as humans, we become the kind of the sum of our training, So, and all that training starts when we're children. Um, I had, you know, with one major exception, which is my mom died when I was seven years old, um, but my dad remarried, and my stepmom, who raised me, is, you know, a wonderful lady. So I grew up in a really good family. Uh, had minimal trauma uh, during my childhood and um, and had a, a lot of great mentors. I was a Boy Scout and I worked for, for amazing people. I grew up just outside of Washington, D.C. in a very military neighborhood. So a lot of my my bosses, my scout masters, they were all military officers who, you know, were really good guys and, and kind of kept me on the right track. So I feel like I had a pretty good childhood during my life. That's so good. Do you feel like those role models kind of influence you to go into the Navy? Yes. Uh, that's a short answer, a longer answer. So I, my goal, my dream in, in life was to play professional ice hockey. And I didn't do very well in high school. Uh, terrible SAT scores. <laughs> uh, uh, no chance of playing Division One hockey, which at the time was the way to get into professional hockey. So I thought I'd take a chance, and I drove to Texas to try out for a, a farm team, a professional farm team in Fort Worth, Texas, and, um, and that didn't work out. But I spent a year in Texas working in an ice rink and uh, you know, running their youth and adult hockey leagues and public skating sessions and all that kind of stuff. And back in 1980, there wasn't a lot of ice skating in Texas. So today, you know, game one in the Stanley Cup, the Dallas uh, Stars are winning. So hockey's big in Texas today, but it wasn't in 1980. But when I realized my life was on a downward plane, I think what came back to me was all these childhood mentors. And I had seen the success of all these military families and and, and all the travel. I'd never traveled anywhere. My, my dad was a cop in D.C. and, you know, we were lucky to go on a vacation to the beach, Virginia Beach, beach or something, but never went anywhere. So I thought I'd go see the world and the Navy was a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I know you focus a lot on, you have like your 10 keys to success. And what are some of your, I guess, favorite or top keys to success? Well, I, um, first of all, this, I define success as kind of doing better today than we did yesterday. Uh, and I think that's important because when you ask people, a lot of people think that success means, you know, um, money. And, and, and to some people it does. It doesn't to me. I mean, we, we were very fortunate. I, I started a company, we sold the company and, uh, and, and we did make some money. But, uh, 
you know, I just, I, I think that the basic definition of success is really just getting a little bit better every day. And that's, that's what I do. I have, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of read them off the list because my memory gets worse as I get older. But I actually have, when I give presentations on leadership, I actually have 10 things. I call it Ken's 10 uh, list. Okay, let's ten, hear it. Ten, 10 things that I think is really what makes it successful. The first one is in your life to have some sort of a vision of where you want to go. Otherwise, every morning when you get up in the morning, you know, it kind of becomes this proverbial life of the tail wagging the dog. Uh, and let people know, too. Don't just keep that to yourself. Let people know what you want to do because it's amazing how many people in this world that do love you and like you and, and want to help you get to, to, to where you want to go. Yeah. The next one is goal setting. I'm a big proponent of setting goals, writing yeah, them down. Yeah, for sure. Lots and lots of short-term goals. Don't look out into the future because none of us can predict what's going to happen four or five years from now. But, you know, we can work hard on trying to get something accomplished for tomorrow or the, a week, a month, and maybe even out as far as a year. But don't go any further out than a year. But setting these goals and then working really hard to accomplish them. Uh, the third thing I think that we have, as humans have to do to be successful is be able to listen to each other. And, and in a world where everybody wants to talk and everybody wants to post things on social media, listening is really important, more now than I think ever. Um, and, and I think that's a great key uh, to being successful in life. Uh, the fourth thing is being kind. I mean, I don't think anybody likes to be around nasty people. And <laughs> fortunately, there's a lot of them in this world and, and they have a hard time uh, uh, changing that but really to be kind and be kind not only to yourself but to others the fifth one is to work hard um, hard work pays off uh, you cannot get rich quick you cannot you know unless you inherit a lot of money or something but <laughs> you've got to work right it's a work yeah. really important um, the other thing is to surround yourself with good people we always tell people that you become the average of the three to five people you spend the most time with so to find that three to five people that are really good in your life, they're not toxic, they're not causing drama, and really just to be kind of connected there. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. The next one is really to be, um, to find a way of being loyal in your life to others and to yourself and, and to be satisfied with life. I always tell people that happiness is kind of the manifestation of satisfaction. So finding something that you're satisfied in doing. If you get up every morning and you're doing something you hate, you're never going to be happy. And if you're only working to be happy and you never change that thing that you're doing that makes you unhappy, it doesn't work. So finding a way to be loyal to others and then satisfied with your own life. Uh, the other thing is to be accountable when you when you do mess up in life to 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 own it and to fix it to to analyze it and to make sure that whatever you did wrong you do better yeah. and and the ninth thing is to take risk calculated risk I always say it's hard uh, you know hard not to um, to be successful by taking risk you know you can't take the easy way out because the easy way doesn't give us the lessons learned that we need. Uh, when we have failures and, and taking a risk means that there might be a failure and that failure is something we want to learn from. And then the last thing um, is really giving back to others, which I think is really, really important. I think that once you do become successful um, and even on the journey to success, um, helping other people that aren't as fortunate as you is really important. Has that list kind of grown just through your own life experiences and like are those things that you've like had to learn personally yeah i think so i mean i you know I'm, 
almost 59 years old now. So, I mean, it's a lot of life lessons learned and you, and you try to figure out every day, you know, the, the secret to life, I think is to keep increasing our wisdom, right. All the way through life and just to get smarter and smarter about the things we don't know. And, um, and that's, that's what you do. And I think all along you learn something. Actually, the other day I thought about another thing, adding another thing um, to my list, which was number 11, but it didn't rhyme with Ken. Didn't so. go with Ken, so <laughs> you got to end it at 10. <laughs> Going back a little bit, you were in the Navy for a very, very long time. And then you made that switch to focus on something completely different, something that revolved around mental health and recovery and everything. How did you feel when you made that like huge life transition? And then also, what advice would you give to someone who is kind of considering changing the, the path they're on? I was yeah. in the Navy for 21 years and I ran a business for 10. That was very, the business was kind of oriented around what I did in the Navy. So I kind of had this 30 year career of, of kind of doing the same thing. But all yeah. through my career, I think I, and especially as I got more senior in the Navy, uh, one of my jobs was taking care of people. And, um, and then obviously I'm a father now, a grandfather. So, I mean, I think taking care of people is a part of my life, a part of my DNA. And, and it, it was kind of a, a semi-natural fit because the wars that we're in in Iraq and Afghanistan has, has produced a lot of trauma, both physical and, and mental. And my wife and I were in a position to help. And, you know, we donated some land. We built this beautiful retreat here in Virginia. And people come here and, and, and try to heal from the wounds of war. So although it's, it's a lot different when you look at it on paper, I feel like I just, it's, it was just a natural progression. You know, we had hit our, our, uh, our peak of success, I think, financially, which allowed us to do some things that, that we could do to, to help, help others a lot more than we were doing. So. Yeah. Because even though you retired from the Navy, like you're still really plugged in with like the military and like our uncle was in the military and he went to Boulder Crest and he saw like he really got so much healing from your whole program, like post-traumatic growth, all that great stuff. So you're still definitely um, connected with the military. I mean, that's like oh, yeah. your job. So it's cool how like everything in your past is just like kind of lined let, up like to help up you to with this. Boulder Crest, I guess. it's it's nice it's like it's like the the military i always tell people the military is like a family and it's that's um, what our uncle says yeah it's especially the small communities like your uncle and i came from you know it's but the special operations community is is you just there's not many people that get there so the 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 fraternity uh is very (laughs) strong so it's it's nice it's nice to stay connected yeah that's so cool and so Boulder Crest is revolved around helping people through or with like post-traumatic growth. And what do you think is like motivated you to devote your life to helping others? Well, I think, you know, like I just said, I think it's just, it was this kind of natural progression. And now, now that I'm in it and, and I, and I realize how bad the problem is, you know, we have a, an epidemic of suicide in our country with approximately 128 Americans they take their own lives. Um, the suicide rate for veterans is about 20 to 22 of those 128. So it's a substantial number. And, and what I've learned is that the system itself, the mental health care system, the, the, the people that are in the mental health care system don't seem to be innovating as fast as they need to. And I feel, you know, I come from a little bit of a technology background where, 
we were we were finding and disarming bombs on the battlefield and our technology and our our innovation had to occur very fast and and i just don't see that in mental health care you know for 10 years now the suicide rates have only gone up they haven't gone down so what we're trying to do is really transform the way mental health care is provided and and it's an uphill battle you know we're fighting uh fighting a, a big system that's very well embedded and 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 it's a challenge, but you know, I'm always up for a good fight. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So my next question is a little bit of a big one. So not everyone has the privilege of attending Boulder Crest, but, and you know, like people have past trauma, not just from the military, you know, maybe it's like a, me- like a mental health disorder or like an eating disorder or a heartbreak, or there are just so many things that produce like a little bit of trauma or just past like wounds and all that so what advice would you give to someone that's trying to recover from a bad situation like one of those yeah well i think it's a great it is a great question and and i am um you know we wrote a book we we the program we run at boulder crest is based on the science of something called post-traumatic growth and it's and and the military doesn't have kind of the the lock and keys on trauma, as you, as you mentioned, everybody in life struggles. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the challenges of the mental health system is that it's not that accessible. Um, you know, and sometimes we aren't as good of friends to our friends that we need to be. And we're not there for them when we need to be. And, um, and, and everybody, everybody, especially now with COVID, you know, and, and you guys being away at school, you probably understand this you know, firsthand, there's a lot of challenges that, that mm-hmm. people are scared right now and elections coming up and all these kind of crazy things that are going on. So, you know, we wrote a book, we, we get asked a lot, do, does the work we do with veterans translate into kind of the civilian um, population? And we believe it does. We wrote a book, it's called Struggle Well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma. And I would you know, suggest that anybody who's struggling read it because I think it gives you a really good idea of what a good life looks like. And that's what we believe the opposite of suicide is. The opposite of suicide is really living a great life right? and, and not, not being down on yourself and not being down because, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you, not to minimize any of that trauma. But, but you've got to be able, if you're living a good life and you've put all these protective factors around you, uh, you can get through anything. And that's, that's really what we talk about in the book. So I'd encourage you to, to, to share that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's because great. I mean, a lot of people, especially teenagers, deal with hard situations and they haven't gotten the advice or maybe met the right people in their life so far to get help. So a lot of times I feel like teenagers, teenagers feel trapped like with their yeah. struggles. Um, and our next question is, how has kindness played a role in your life? And why do you make it a priority to just spread kindness? Well, it's been a big part of my life. I was, I was lucky to grow up in this great, kind family. We did have one. I had one, a grandfather who was an alcoholic and wasn't, wasn't the nicest person in the world. But, uh, but, you know, when I think about it, it's like you always learn from, from the good and the bad, right? And, and that's... And that's really what I did. I learned from this great family and this great community that I grew up in. And I learned how not to be bad from this grandfather that I had. So, um, you know, 
I just think it's, I'm not a really religious person. I, I grew up as a Catholic and, and went through all the challenges of that, but I, have, I, I am a very spiritual person. I believe that there's something bigger than all of us. And I'm not sure what that is yet, as most of us are, are still confused. Yeah. Understand. But I do believe that this really cool guy named Jesus walked on this earth one time and, and was really sharing some cool messages, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't, um, don't be a jerk, right? You know, be, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, help others. That, that, that others yeah. and these small little tidbits are, are, are what I believe in. And that's, that's, I think that's what we all need to do. I think if we all did that, the world would be a much greater place. It's just, it's, it's a huge challenge. It, it sounds simple, but it's a, it's a huge challenge. Yeah. It, totally it, like what you just said, it sounds so simple, but then, you know, your own personal struggles might like get in the way or like your own selfishness and, it's just such a great little reminder, like the importance of just being kind. Cause like it helps someone else, but it also makes you feel good inside because like, you're not just focused on like yourself, like your needs, like you're putting other people before you. And if everyone just did like a little bit of that, then, like I feel like the whole world would just be like lifted up a little bit. Yeah. It's not hard to do. It just yeah. takes a little bit more. It's effort. not hard to do, but it's easy to forget. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, we get we get wrapped up in our in our day to day busy lives, and it's, it's it's easy to forget other people, and and it's that's why I tell it if you're if you're a goal setter, one of the goals of the week should be to go to the local soup kitchen or the food bank or you know somewhere and help somebody, the local sure. animal adoption agency, and wash blankets. I mean, there's so many things around this world that you can do to help something and somebody else, and yeah. you've got to write it down and you got to make it a part of your routine and get up and do it. That's true. I mean, I feel like with COVID, it's been a little bit more hard to serve others, but you know, there's still so many ways like calling a friend or like services need more than ever there now. Like, yeah, that's true. Priority. I totally agree with that. I think it's uh, that, that's, that's something that a lot of people have missed is that, you know, it goes, and I don't want to say it's selfish, but if we, you know, if we just put our mask on and just stay in our house, who's going to help the others. Right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've just watched it here in the county I lived in, you know, people going out and helping feed the doctors and the nurses and the firefighters. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, maybe the service changes a little bit, but the people that Definitely. are home, the people that are homeless, the people that are starving, the dogs are still yes. in the cages. There's still all that stuff still has to get done. So yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. So Kate and I are 17 years old and we are just wondering um, for you personally, looking back to when, when you were 17, like what advice would you give your 17 year old self? You know, you guys sent me these questions and I saw that one and I literally <laughs> lost sleep over it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Let me t- tell you two things. The first one is I regret nothing. And, and when I look at my life today, I don't think it could be uh, any richer. And, um, so the first part of me says, um, don't change a thing, <laughs> be yourself, you know, all the, I mean, I wasn't a great kid, right? I, I was a terrible, terrible student. Uh, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I wasn't a horrible kid. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't do yeah. that. <laughs> but, but I wasn't a great kid. Yeah. And, um, but, but all those lessons in life kind of got me here. And that's, so a part of me says I wouldn't change anything. Um, if I was given advice to myself, um, it would probably be maybe listen, listen to people with experience more than I did. Cause I, it's really easy. And you, and I'm sure you guys can agree that 
it's it's really easy to think that you know it <laughs> you know it all at 16 and 17 and uh and and there's all this experience and your mom and your dad tell you something or your uncle or your grandfather tell you something and you're like oh what does that old geezer know you know but it's like there's a lot there's a lot to be said for experience and and i think maybe I, in hindsight, I kind of wish I would have listened a little more. That's a good reminder for us because, I mean, <laughs> I feel like teenagers can get kind of caught up in their own world and mm-hmm. focus on themselves and they think they know best. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Also, it's really relieving to hear that, like, maybe you weren't the best high school student, but, like, you still had a really successful life because as high schoolers, it can be kind of stressful. Like, I don't know, you kind of think, like, who you're in high school kind of determines, like, you know, if you have good grades, like, getting into good college and stuff, but it's reassuring to hear that, you know, you can still be successful even if you aren't <laughs> top of the class. You know, I went back, I went back and did my master's degree at Georgetown university at 50 years old. So yeah. uh, I don't think it's, it's never too late to start learning. And um, you know, I'm, I am a very good student of life today. Yeah. I, I, but when I was, you know, 16 and 17, I was more interested in girls and cars and hockey and <laughs> Not, not not me and college was the farthest thing from my mind I grew up in a construction family I thought I was gonna you know I was the oldest son in my family I thought I would eventually take over the construction family so I tried to learn construction trade so mm-hmm. yeah. but I did love the beach and I and I'd rather be at the beach than in school so I skipped way too much school <laughs> that's, that's funny don't listen to that that's not advice on the podcast <laughs> so how has like other um, combat veterans' stories at Boulder Crest like personally affected you? Just hearing other people's stories that were who were in the military. Um, I think it's affected me in a positive way. The, the stories are the stories are sad. I mean, it's, you know, we get a lot of men and women who come here who it's it's really their last shot. They've tried you know, 20 or 30 different things from therapies to pharmaceuticals. Many of them have attempted suicide. Uh, horrible, horrible, sad stories. Uh, people who just basically thought their lives were over and this is the last chance and they thought they'd take the chance. Um, so we hear a lot of bad stories. I think what's so rewarding to me is, is the stories I hear after they've been through our program. Yeah. How it did save their life, how it got them onto a different track, how how they're, you know, they're, they're moving forward now, knowing that, that nothing's wrong with them. You know, our, our message here is that nothing's wrong with you. It's just the fact that something happened and what happened is something that we have to, we have to work through. And, um, but so many people in traditional, you know, the mental health world will lead you to believe that something's wrong with you and, and diagnose you and throw a label on you of depression or anxiety or, you know, well, you name it. I mean, there's all these different labels and, as humans, once we accept those labels, they become a sentence for life. And that's what we don't want to do is we just want to really, you know, you know, get through this with the help of our friends and the help of our, our, our neighbors. And that's, that's really what it is. I will tell you one story because somebody wrote me a beautiful letter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it was a single mom, a uh, female combat veteran who was a single mom. And she came here, um, had a boyfriend. She came here with a broken arm. We found out that it was her boyfriend who pushed her down the stairs who broke her arm. Uh, She left our program. She got out of a toxic relationship. Her and her daughter are back together. She has custody of this daughter. She's no longer homeless. 
that that type of story is really what inspires me to get up every morning because my job is raising money to keep this foundation going because we're privately funded through generous donors and and uh and that's that's my job. So every morning I got to get up and convince people that you know, we have a story, and these are the stories that I like to share. So yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, how is the program structured? Like, what does a day look like at Boulder Crest? We've created an 18-month long program that starts with a week that's very intense here, and it's it's very much cut out like military training. So our military veterans who come through understand that type of military training. They go from 6.30 in the morning with some sort of physical activity until 8.30 at night where, we're, where we end and we, we talk about our wins for the day around the, around the fire. And, um, and we mix in, during that day, we mix in a combination of group therapy sessions, and then we go outdoors and we do activities outdoors. And in those activities, there's a lot of, of you know, traditional psychotherapy kind of work. So I'll give you one example. We do archery. So um, archery is a fun thing to do, and, and we try to make it fun as well during this activity. But when we bring guys in for the archery or gals, we run an all-male and all-female program. When we bring them in, the first thing we do is we talk about the history of archery. Everything we do at Boulder Crest has some sort of a warrior connotation. So archery is the oldest form of weaponry in the, in the world that we know, other than the rock. And... Um, and then we talk about, um, you know, so we, we try to create this military tie to it. Then the next thing we do is we, we will do a, a mindfulness-based uh, meditation where we talk about all this stuff and how archery and how the bow and how holding the string back on the bow uh, is like holding stress in our bodies, how hitting the target is like uh, the focus it takes to set and achieve a goal. So we'll talk through all of that in some sort of a, a kind of guided and mindfulness-based meditation. And then we'll go shoot arrows and try to get people to hit the, hit the target by teaching them. Many of them have never shot a bow and arrow before, so we teach them how to hit the target. And then once they start hitting the target, we start having really hard conversations with them, the kind of traditional psychotherapy questions about their relationships, um, and other things, some of their past trauma. And we, you can watch, you know, they'll be shooting and hitting the target and then you'll ask them a question about how their life's going with their boyfriend or girlfriend or their wife and the target and the, boat, the arrow flies all the way through the woods and doesn't hit the target. Uh, yeah. And then at the end of that archery session, uh, which goes on for two or three hours, we'll blindfold them and we'll have one of their partners stand behind them and try to get them to hit the target by just telling them whether to move left or right or up and down. And the moral of that story is really that most people, when they try to adjust the person in front of them, they're right up on their shoulders and, and their perspective on the target is the same as the person is blindfolded. And what the lesson learned there is that you have to step back sometimes in life to get a bigger perspective than getting focused and, and bound down. So that's what we do in these outdoor activities. We do hiking, we do kayaking, archery. We do a lot of things, horses. Um, and all of them kind of have the same same theme throughout. It's really cool how it's not just you guys lecturing about like how to recover, how to grow from a bad situation, but like it's very it seems very action oriented. Like hands on. Like this is how it would feel. Like you shoot the bow. Like imagine changing your perspective or whatever the case may be. I think as you said, you know, when we learn, we learn our our brains learn in many different ways, and what we try to do is ignite all the senses. And like we said, our uncle Brian Hood has gone through your program and like he like says that's like 
changed mm-hmm. his life. Like one, like for sure, one of the most impactful things he's ever done. So yeah. it's really cool to, like you said, it's cool for you to hear stories like that, and it's cool from our end too. Because mm-hmm. obviously, he's our uncle. We love our uncle. Like, <laughs> so it's so cool that your program was able to, you know, help him with really help PTSD him. or whatever he was dealing with. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that your program has done that. And now he's helping us. He's teaching. Exactly. I know, which is so cool. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, chatting with us today. This was like so like just beneficial. I feel like I learned so much. Those 10 keys to success. I'm definitely going to go back and re-listen to those. That's just really impactful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you both. And uh, good luck with everything in school. stay, Stay healthy. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Ken Falk. To stay connected with Double Take, follow us on Instagram at listen.doubletake and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other listening platform. Feel free to leave a rating and review. Thanks for listening.